The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, one of the things that like really jumpstarted my ownership of my diabetes was my endocrinologist at the time. When I when I first saw him in the office, he sat me down and he said, "You are your own doctor," and that was something that I really that really impacted me. And also, my dad really held on to that. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen Costello. <laughs> I love how I introduce myself every time I do a podcast, but I suppose if you haven't joined us yet and this is the first episode, welcome. I'm delighted you're here to join us and I would definitely recommend after this episode, you go back to episode one to get the full Insulone Podcast experience. Now, this week, I have a special guest. He is a fellow type 1 diabetic, an amazing online diabetes advocate. He's had diabetes for over 14 years, so I'm hoping he can teach me, teach me a thing or two. He is a lifestyle coach and somebody who cycled from New York all the way to San Francisco with Beyond Type 1 as part of their Bike Beyond campaign. He is an all-around good guy and a friend, Mr. Jesse Levine. Thanks, Owen. Uh, it is Levine, uh, but everyone gets that one wrong, so it's okay. Oh, that, that's the Irish way. That's the Irish way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you doing? Okay. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. That was a cool intro. I, like, I know what you're up to these days, and I know you're a busy man, but what I love to try and get stuck into is kind of the beginning of a diabetics diabetic life let's call it because when you're diagnosed it's obviously a a massive massive part of your life and it certainly was for me so i'd love to go back to when you were diagnosed i know you were you were diagnosed at the age of 11 so it was obviously quite different to me but you were at that stage where you maybe understood how serious things were so what was it like being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 11? Yeah, so I, I was diagnosed when I was 11. The date was January 23rd, 2006, and uh, I was almost done with fifth grade. So 
I knew what diabetes was because I had a classmate with type one. It was interesting because she, like nobody in my elementary school knew what type one was. And she definitely, uh, like this pot, like the, the podcast that you have right now, redefining diabetes and telling people what diabetes is would have really benefited everyone in that school because like up until a certain point, I thought that it was contagious to get diabetes from her. And I, uh, and I was afraid little kid, uh, and I did end up getting diabetes, but it's not because it was contagious. Uh, so I was diagnosed when I was 11. Um, and, and I definitely understood the severity of it because of the fact that I had known someone else with type one. My next door neighbor actually was also type one. Uh, it was a, it was a huge moment. Like my mom looking back on it, it's like so easy to see that she was like very worried and like, uh, checking in to see what are you doing there? What are these patterns that are evolving? Why are you peeing so much? Why are you drinking so much water? Um, and at, at that point, I think it was kind of a relief to know that I did have type one. There's always so many, there's always like many, many worse things that, that could be had. Uh, and type one is manageable. When you were initially told, and I know it's almost like the flick of a switch when you're diagnosed, you know, for me, I was 19 and going out and enjoying, enjoying going to parties and bars with friends. And then the next day you're handed a, a needle and you're told to inject yourself with insulin mm-hmm. multiple times a day. How did you make that adjustment at that age? Because it's difficult going through school in your adolescent years anyway so how how difficult was that when diabetes was thrown on top of you yeah i mean i'll, I'll never forget that moment in the doctor's office when my when my doctor came in and said you have diabetes uh just point blank and and from that i went i was in my pediatric office and i went to the hospital went through the whole like crash course you know i was sitting in a hospital bed and, and there were a bunch of nurses and medical team around me and i remember very specifically that they brought me a mcdonald's spicy uh, fried chicken sandwich, uh, as I was first diagnosed with type one. So I was like, Oh, this can't be that bad that I'm still able to eat my favorite food, uh, which was that at the time. Um, and there were like a few days in the hospital and I could just like see the worry on my mom's face. So I think it was more like concerned with how, like the impact on my family, as opposed to like seeing the impact on myself at that moment. Um, and then, and then once I was like stable in a, in a condition to like leave the hospital, which only took like, uh, I don't remember exactly the amount of time, but it was a day or two. You go through this crash course of like learning what diabetes management is like. And I remember injecting uh, like an orange and one of those like little um, pool toys that soaks up in like a a Nerf ball. Um, And there was a huge moment of fear overcoming the first time that I stuck myself. Uh, And I think that fear persisted for a, a few weeks probably. But one of the things that like really jumpstarted my ownership of my diabetes was my endocrinologist at the time. When I, when I first saw him in the office, he sat me down and he said, you are your own doctor. And, and that was something that I really, that really impacted me. And also my dad really held on to that. And every time I was like afraid or like, like was resisting my diabetes, my dad would bring that, bring that back on and be like, look, son, you're your own doctor. But the adjustment period was like, was hard. It's hard for anyone. Um, and my mom was like, had to, had to go from managing three kids to really, I sort of siphoned all of the attention, uh, from my siblings, which sorry, brother and sister, but, uh, it had to happen because I had no pancreas and, and my mom really became the role of my pancreas. But, 
Um, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big learner through observation and through doing. So it, it didn't take me long to like figure out how to do the math and how to count carbs. And we always had the calorie king book in our, in our pocket. Um, and I just pull it out and, and I became pretty good at like memorizing how many carbs were in what. So I felt pretty confident managing my diabetes, um, like pretty soon after I was diagnosed, but like you can go through your whole entire life and, and relearn or learn again, your diabetes. Uh, it's not, it's not like a thing that just you get really good at. And then it's like, this is, this is smooth sailing for the, for the rest of my life. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's certainly a constant learning curve. Sure. Even for myself, I've had it since 2012 now, and I would always pride myself with kind of having it well managed and always take care of my diabetes but sure jesse you know every day can be completely different one day everything's perfect then the next day it's like you're on a roller coaster up and down up and down up and down well like when i was when i was first diagnosed the the skills that i learned were very like in a box um and what i mean by that is like i was put on a regimen to eat 90 grams of carbs per meal so that my my insulin dose would be the same at every meal uh, and that's really hard for an 11 year old kid. Like I had gone and lost a lot of weight up until the point I was diagnosed. And at the moment I was diagnosed and started to take insulin and my cells were able to like absorb the nutrients that they are supposed to absorb. I grew like uh, nine or 11 inches in the first year that I was diagnosed. Um, so that was like, that was pretty huge. Um, and, and I learned those skills and I like did everything I was supposed to by the doctor's orders, but it wasn't, it was until like the, like year nine of my living with diabetes that I realized that, Oh, like the, the idea that you can eat whatever you want, as long as you take insulin for it is true, but it's not the best way to manage your diabetes. And I, and since then I sort of have been on this like, uh, journey very much aided and, um, grateful for having the numbers and guidance from a continuous glucose monitor. But, um, but yeah, just to your point, like every single day is, is a whole new chapter of diabetes that you have to read and relearn. So from going from, let's say quote unquote, normal 11 year old to then instantly almost being told that you've diabetes, what was it like going back to school knowing now you have type one diabetes? Because I, a lot of the time get messages from parents who, you know, have kids that have, have diabetes or have just been diagnosed. And it's obviously a huge adjustment for them. And it can be massively intimidating going into school where there are, you know, another 30 students in your class, the same age yeah. as you. And when you whip out something to check your blood sugar or your insulin pen, you know, people are going to be, like what's that what's that what's he doing what's he doing what's wrong with him what's wrong with her so how did it feel injecting insulin for the first time in class or checking your blood sugar for all the other students to to see yeah um i'm trying to tune into my 11 year old self and really check in honestly sorry sorry to bring you back (laughs) (laughs) no no it's it's a it's a good question and i think i think a lot of the the things that i think about diabetes now are like what has happened the last six six years since i've like like woken up or like taking control or slapping a CGM. But, you know, it is so important to really reflect on that time because there are people who are diagnosed between the ages of, of childhood and adolescence and, and these experiences and how I have overcome them could be really helpful. So when I, I remember being like a little bit embarrassed, um, I carried a backpack with 
uh, tons of supplies. What I mean by that is like I had a bag of glucose in every single teacher's office um, in every classroom. And if I was low, then I would go to the nurse's office. I would have a friend walk with me. That was sort of the protocol in elementary school. And because there was that that other classmate um, who was in my class, it was sort of like, it was sort of destigmatized already. Um, so yeah, that is, it is really interesting thinking about my 11 year old self. I was, I was really angry too. I was really I hated, I hated the fact that I had diabetes. I didn't want to be different than my friends. So when did you know that you say it's strange to kind of go back to your 11 year old self to your diagnosis and you're, you are angry and I know how frustrating it is and I know how daunting every day can feel, but I don't have the same perspective as you may have from, you know, being a young child because I got a late teens. Mm-hmm. What would your advice to, let's say there's an, an 11 year old listening right now, what would your advice to them be if they, you know, were embarrassed or shy or ashamed of their diabetes? Somebody now like yourself, who is a proud diabetic, who is showing people how to live with diabetes, is mm-hmm. doing amazing things, ha- has done amazing things despite their diabetes, what would your advice be to them if they're just starting on their, on their diabetes journey? Yeah, that's such a good question. Speaking to my 11-year-old self, I think, I think the most important thing to realize is that, like, yes, diabetes sucks. Like, you have this now, and you have it for your whole entire life. Like, it's okay to be upset. Like, there is a stage of accepting like there are stages of accepting diabetes and, and anger and denial. And, uh, those are part of it. Um, and so it's in a way it's necessary to go through them, but when you're ready, realize that the people around you are there to help you. And that is really important. Like you have, you have a natural, like you have a support group, um, whether it's, uh, your parents or caretakers, friends, um, a school nurse, uh, a teacher, um, people are like, want to see you shine and, and rise up and grow into the person that you are meant to be in this world. And I think for me, that person who told me that when I was 11 was my brother, uh, when, you know, two years into just sort of like being a, like really, uh, not, a not a nice person to be around. He sort of sat me down when I was like 13 and just looked me in the eyes and he was like, dude, you've got to stop being such a dick to mom. And, and that for me was like a huge revelation moment where I was like, wow, like my mom is really doing everything in her power to like help me live a normal life. And, and she's like given so much up of her, like she, it was just, it's such a selfless act when parents do that. And when they like raise a kid with type one, um, and so, yeah, like, uh, just to sort of wrap that advice up, like this does not have to be a defining thing. Um, it, it does suck, but know that by accepting this, it will make you stronger. It will make you a much stronger person and better equipped to navigate the world, uh, through all the adversity that it will throw at you anyway. Could not agree more. It certainly toughens you up and 
makes you more resilient each day and there's certainly no alternative to not taking care of yourself and getting on with it so it's definitely something you can learn to adjust your new life to listen let's fast forward slightly right past your 11 year old self everything you do now is almost based around diabetes or is related to diabetes i think that's what me and me and you have in common kind of anything we do will always will always go back to diabetes so one of the amazing things that you did that i know a bit about is the fact that you cycled from new york city to san francisco with beyond type one now i was in san francisco i think last year and i cycled across the golden gate bridge which was like maybe a half an hour cycle and i was even then thinking what am i going to do to to avoid a low blood sugar my blood sugar is definitely going to drop in this heat you know the planning that goes goes around it always has to be done before any sort of exercise so for me to, yeah. to hear about you cycle across the entire country is amazing so were there any sort of precautions you took basically before you did that or how did you feel about doing it or how did you prepare as a diabetic yeah i was i was stoked I, and i think i'm a little bit the opposite of you in that i don't really prepare for things uh i sort of just like am a like am a go with the flow type of person however diabetes has taught me that it is necessary to prepare and i can't have that attitude for really anything especially uh like traveling or endurance events like the bike ride so in preparation when something like uh you know making sure that i had diabetes supplies um making sure that i had a way to keep all of my insulin cool which was free packs um we had a, a group cooler as well um making sure that i had enough uh like glucose supplies and that they were um easy and convenient for me to take on the bike so i use like the glue the goo blocks um and also knowing like how is my blood sugar being affected on a bike um and and not only on a bike for the first five miles but for uh the whole entire 80 miles that i ride that day and then how is it affected when i go to sleep that night and then wake up and ride 80 miles again and again and again and again um and so I did a lot of training, um, but all the training that I did, uh, which was basically like climbing 3000 feet over 10 miles, um, every single day in California where I went to school, um, on a bike, all of that went out the window as soon as we started, because, <laughs> because when you're riding from point A to point B, like you talk about stress a lot on your podcasts and like when you're riding and there's a giant 18 wheeler that comes past you, your cortisol is going through the roof <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah. light feeling you, you basically sprout out wings and just take off of your bike um and that has that has a huge impact on blood sugar to to spike it um so there was a lot of like basically the way i think about my diabetes on the bike ride is i had to relearn my diabetes from scratch because everything that i had like done before that where i had uh, an a1c in the fives was was totally not under my control anymore and i basically just had to go with the flow and basically like prepare as much as i could but realize that things aren't always going to go the way you want so that i think that's sort of a lesson for diabetes in itself um one one of the really cool products that we use was was called UCAN, which is this basal carbohydrate it's a drink or a bar and it was created for 
a, a glucose deficiency where basically body isn't able to uptake glucose at all. So this is like a basal glycogen uh, that just like stays with you for the next like eight to 12 hours. Um, so as, as you're riding and your uh, body is taking glucose from your muscles, the UCAN is sort of slowly putting that back and like patching up all the, all the glucose that's being taken out. Would you have taken that consistently through the whole journey? Because I know when I cycle, I've, I've gotten big into cycling now with the, uh, with the virus because I can't go to the gym, so I'm cycling a good bit. But I will always see my blood sugar drop when I cycle. So I, like I said, I'll try and plan ahead and have maybe a dose or two less of insulin or additional carbohydrate to kind of have my blood sugar slightly higher than I would like, but have it naturally come back down. So did you have to constantly have this glucose on board or did you kind of manipulate your diet around it to help with the, with the steady blood sugars too? I mean, I think it depends on what type of cycling you're doing. Like if you have a day where it's all flat and you're just cruising, it's basically like taking a walk. Like you are in that uh, anaerobic state where you're like your blood sugar will drop. Um, but if you're, if you're going up a, a giant mountain with, uh, you know, like anything above like a 2% grade, like you're going to be pumping and your heart's going to be pumping. And that's the point where your liver is just going to be dumping glucose into you. So at that point, um, it might not like come down immediately and, and you will see a rise. It's, it's the same thing as like lifting heavy weights. Um, so really just sort of like having, if you can have any at all, like foresight into what the day's terrain is going to be like, then, then you sort of like go with the fly on that. Um, what I would do is like manipulate my basal rate a little bit. So I was on uh, Lantus and I would take 13 in the morning, 13 at night. Um, that's the same as me. That's some, yeah. So some days, some days I would, I would take like four units of, of Lantus in the day, uh, just because I didn't want that insulin on board for the whole day. Um, right. and my blood sugars would be, would be fine. But, um, other days I got in trouble where like I would take too much and I would just have to shovel glucose enough the whole time because I knew that I had too much basil on board. So yeah, I mean, every, every day is what I, I guess. I'll even take it a step further. I relearned my diabetes on that whole trip, but I basically relearned it every single day also. Yeah, I'd say with the 20 other diabetics, was there some sense of comfort around you knowing that everyone to your right and to your left knew how to treat your diabetes if, if anything happened? Oh, totally. Yeah, that made a huge difference. Um, you know, if you like, I don't think, I think, I think all of us sort of went into it expecting like to have our blood sugars pretty good. I don't think anybody really expected our blood sugars to be as crazy as it was. And to be able to be in a routing group of like, you know, three or four other people who know exactly what you're going through. If you have to say, Hey guys, let's stop, pull over. I've, I've got a low. You just take a break for 15 minutes and nobody like, nobody puts on added pressure. Like nobody's like, Hey, come on. Like, we're going to miss this. Like, health is was a priority throughout the whole entire trip and so it was nice to to know that everyone else is going through the same thing that you didn't have to explain yourself uh you know time time and over again yeah it's funny it's funny that we're talking about diabetics understanding the struggles with diabetes because <clears throat> just for anybody who's listening about 20 minutes before we started recording this podcast <laughs> i had a low blood sugar and jesse was texting me saying are you okay? Are you okay over in Ireland? You know, we can reschedule, we can reschedule. So it's always good to have 
somebody who understands the highs and the lows mentally and physically, I guess, with diabetes. So that's uh, definitely a comforting thought having all those diabetics around you. I was just going to say one more thing on that, you know, like it, it was, it was really beneficial to have those 20 people with diabetes and for you and me to like be able to have this understanding of if we needed to reschedule, that would have been totally fine. Most of my friends with diabetes are online. Um, the people that, that are around me, this isn't by design. It just happened. Don't have diabetes. Um, and if that's the case, then like all you have to do is just communicate openly because people will understand. And, and back to my point that I was telling the 11 year old me, like people are there to support you and they care about you. So just speak up and, uh, and, and let people know what you need. Yeah. hundred percent. Come here. There was one thing that there's something that I know you're up to these days, but I also know you can't talk about it too much, but we had briefly spoke about this must've been probably just when, when the coronavirus was beginning to hit, but you were telling me about this idea and I was like, whoa, I love it. I think it's amazing. But for anybody listening here, Jesse, could you tell us a small bit of one of the projects you're up to right now? Yeah. So this is sort of wrapped around our whole conversation. Um, when, when people are diagnosed with diabetes, uh, in, in my experience and, and from talking to so many others um, and families who, who um, are diagnosed day in and day out, the education that we get as newly diagnosed diabetics is not necessarily sufficient. And so I'm looking at um, digital solutions to uh, basically create a way for people to learn that stuff better and to create a way for uh, basically to have an end goal that, that people know how to manage their diabetes and that there's confidence between the, the caretakers and the parents and the kids that, that, the, that the parents and caretakers know that the kids know how to manage their diabetes. And, and that takes, you know, remove some of the terror that, that there's, that is experienced upon diagnosis. So, um, drawing a lot from my own experience and just from my travels and conversations with people living with type one, but like you said earlier, like my life revolves around diabetes and for the last probably few years, it hasn't necessarily, but it's definitely has been a choice to fully dive in and, and take my experience of living healthily with it to help others through their journey as well. And so I'm really excited about what I'm building um, and hope that it can bring a lot of helpfulness and value to people living with type one around the world. Definitely will. I'm certainly excited to see it anyway. I'm going to finish off, Jesse, with one more question that I like to ask people on this podcast. Yeah. Big believer in staying positive, always looking at the positive side of things, no matter what they are. So if you had the opportunity to thank diabetes for something, what would that be? Yeah, this one, I don't, I feel like I sort of have thanked my diabetes for this a lot throughout the years, but I... I really appreciate my diabetes for instilling responsibility and and just like an awareness of my health within my body and my mind. Um, I think without it, who knows what it what would happen without it? But I really appreciate it for the lessons that it taught me. And yeah, it would be nice to not have diabetes, but the routines that I have had and the exercises that I've done and the bike ride that I have done across the country and the people that I've met would not have happened with, without type one. So I'm grateful for 
Yeah, man. I, it's really just everything under the sun with diabetes minus the, the frequent urination. <laughs> yeah, take that out of the equation <laughs> and uh, diabetes would be perfect. It's one of those things that I always think about as well. The Myobetic Diabetes Awards that we went to last year, that was a big moment for me, you know, where there were so many diabetics and so many people related to diabetes under the same roof, all celebrating different achievements and awards and sharing stories and what people are up to and kind of how they're, they've overcome diabetes throughout the years. And it was special to see that, you know, because especially for me coming from Ireland, I hadn't really met any diabetics up to that point. So I think even having that, that opportunity to celebrate nights like that and meet so many people who are amazing and doing incredible things really does make you appreciate having diabetes. You know, it doesn't have to be all bad. We wouldn't be speaking to each other now. We wouldn't be friends if we weren't diabetic. So it's always important to look at the positives. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Anyway, Jesse, yeah. really, really appreciate you being on. I'm sure it's going to be very inspiring and reassuring for all ages of diabetics, particularly the younger crowd if they're in school. So thanks a million. And it was great catching up with you. Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Owen. Really appreciate it. Nice one. Talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. And just a quick one before I sign off officially. Again, really appreciate you all listening. Rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I especially love when you share it on Instagram. Some of the stories people are sharing with the podcast uh, really make really make my day. There's some funny ones up there. So I really appreciate that. Have a good rest of your day and have an unreal week i will chat to you next week take it easy